right. As they would say in Africa, now that the day is long and about gone, I'm about ready for a good sleep. But the day is really not gone yet, is it? We're still doing this whole time change thing. It was, uh, I, I wanted to share just a little bit about our trip in Zim. Some of you saw some photos that we had along the way, and that was fun. So I've got a couple of those just to, just to share with you, if, um, if you didn't see those online. Um, we, we arrived, we were there on the ground in Zim. It, 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 it takes about two days to get there, so we were there for two weeks, and then it took us about a day and a half to get back. And uh, while we were there, let's see, one of the things we went, we had, if you go to Zimbabwe, you have to go to Victoria Falls. Now, Victoria Falls is not in Zimbabwe. It's actually right across the river from Zimbabwe. So Zimbabwe is where you see the falls best. But Zambia likes to say, no, these falls are ours. Okay. They can have the falls. We got the view. So beautiful Victoria Falls at about half of its fullest flow. So a lot of water goes over those falls. It's good to see once, but it's a 12-hour drive to get there from where we're in Harare, so I don't know that I'll ever see them again. Uh, along the way, other than Victoria Falls, let's see, what else did I put up here? We saw lots of animals, if I remember right. Yes, we, we, we got up close and personal to elephants, and uh, it's, it's not a comfortable ride, let me tell you. Um, we saw a lion up close and also those zebra that I told you about. Uh, we, that, 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 that male lion was huge, and he's just a young fellow. It's kind of like a cross between a lion and a great Dane, I think. Look at the long legs on that guy. And uh, these water buck are a little nervous, understandably so. It's funny, those, those two pictures of lions that I had, one was the evening, for, for evening in the game park and then the next morning, both of those we saw like just a kilometer or so out of the gate to the rest camp. And I say gate very loosely because it was the boom. It would stop cars, but it wouldn't stop lion. <laughs> so I made the decision at night, we stay in the cabin. Yeah, all right. Let's see what else we got here. We we visited Ruth's church, saw some of her ministry there. Those are those are the kids in her junior high class that she's teaching and one of the young girls there. The girl is the daughter of the youth pastor. Just I, I forget the exact timing of it. Within the last year, their, their, their youth pastor and his wife, they have two small children as well, and uh, she unexpectedly passed away in the middle of the night. And uh, so a tough thing for the church as a whole, and of course for him and his family. And uh, Ruth's gotten really close to their little girl there, and uh, you see her with the kids. She had a great interactive discussion. She was teaching about, no, I want jumping, because she thought we were going to be gone on that Friday, and that the, uh, and, and that the pastor was going to be teaching the youth for her that night. And it turns out, no, no, we're not. We're back on Friday. And she wasn't sure what was she going to teach them about Noah that was different that, that, and they hadn't heard before. And, and I wanted to jump in. Well, I could do that for you. But she has the relationship with them. She has the relationship with these kids and the street school as well. When we went to the school where the street kids are, next picture, and we watched and we looked in on Ruth's classes there, again, wanted to kind of come in alongside and talk to the kids. And, but... Ruth has the relationship. The others there have the relationship with it. We were, we were visitors in, and they get people that come and visit in in this ministry now and again, see them once. And, and the last thing these kids need is to be 
a commodity that is just shown off to visiting foreigners. They pick up on that. These kids have been through a lot. They've been used a lot. And the last thing they need is to be used to show, be shown off in the midst of this ministry. So we just hung back, stayed out of the way, and watched the ministry that God had given Ruth. You know, there, there was a lesson in there for me that really ties into... into um, what I want to talk today about Luke chapter 10, that, that there's a ministry given, and it's been given to particular ones of us. And it's not something that, you say, well, well God could do it any other way he wants, and yet God has decided that he's going to use you and you and you and me and you, and, and that's the way he's going to do it. And it's not that any of us can just step in where God has set someone individually for his purpose in his mission that he's set before us. Our, our participation with God in his mission, whether it's in Zimbabwe or whether it's here, it's kind of like, the best image that works for me is it's kind of like um, a child helping their dad or their mom with a task. And so that's the image that I, that I chose for this morning, for this, for this, um, these, this section in Luke, that, that we get to join in our Father's work. Now, when a young child helps their parent, whether it's mom or dad, whether it's in the kitchen, whether it's, whether it's doing house chores, whether it's working on the car, they might not be a whole lot of help, right? Have you experienced that? In fact, the parent doesn't invite the child in because of all the great skill and ability that the child brings to the table. That's not why the parent invites us, in, invites the children into that work, right? But the parent, as parents, you invite your children in. You want them to be there with you in the midst of your work, not so much because of their great skill to get it done, is because you want them with you in the midst of what you have to do. You want them with you in the midst of your work. That's why you invite them in. And that's, that's something of the heart of our God. And we, we might miss that if we looked at chapter 10 alone and didn't look at it at the same time with chapter 11. And so we're looking at chapter 10 and 11 of the Gospel of Luke together. And we're, and we're going to see something about the heart of our Father. That the heart of our Father, we have a, we have a Father in heaven. We have a Father in our God who is joyfully sending and faithfully providing. His joy is to send His children into His work. The Father rejoices not in the stuff we can do, but our Father rejoices in our relationship with Him. And our Father calls us to rejoice not in what we see Him do through us. Our Father urges us to rejoice in our relationship with him. And we experience that relationship in the midst of the doing. We join God where he is. We join God in what he is doing. And there is where we experience something of God's heart. God's heart for us. God's heart for this world. Our, our Father is joyfully sending and our Father is faithfully providing. We'll pick that up when we get over to, to Luke chapter 10. There's a Lord's Prayer there. And that could be simply something that tells us how to pray. But it's more than that. It again tells us something about the heart of our Father, how our Father lovingly provides for us better than any Father we have known beside. So Luke chapter 10, Luke chapter 11 is entering into our Father's joy, joyfully sending, lovingly, faithfully providing. Open your Bibles to Luke chapter 10. 
Luke chapter 10, and I'm going to just jump in and begin reading Luke chapter 10. I'll read the first, oh, I'm not sure how far I'll read. We'll, we'll, we'll start and go from there, okay? Luke chapter 10, beginning at verse 1. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others, and he sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. If not, it will return to you and remain the same house, eating and drinking what they provide, for the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick and it say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. Whenever you enter a town, they do not receive you. Go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable in that day for Sodom than for that town. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more bearable in the judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you and you, Capernaum. Will you be exalted in heaven? You shall be brought down to Hades. The one who hears you, hears me. The one who rejects you, rejects me. The one who rejects me rejects him who sent me. The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions over the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Father, above all else, Lord, would we rejoice this morning, not in the great things you will do. And Lord, we would ask that you would use us. We would ask that you would send us. We would ask, Father, that we might know something of your spirits working through us in the lives of people you set us near. But Father, even in that, Lord, give us deeper joy. Give us fuller joy in our relationship with you. Father, send us from here so that in, in the going, we'll know something of Jesus. We'll taste something of his being sent from you. But Lord, do that so that we might know you more fully. And that's where we'll find our joy, Lord. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. The sending of the 72, Luke chapter 10. It's interesting that, that there's a lot of speculation about, well, why 72? Did you ever wonder that? Why 72? He sent out 72, and it's pretty clear. It's recorded there. There's not 70, which would be a nice round number. There's 72. What's interesting as well is it seems to be a bit repetition because a chapter earlier, last week, Jesus is sending out not the 72, but the 12. And he gives the 12 very similar instructions as he does here to the 72. And, and if we look at the 72, 
Well, I think if you go back to Exodus 24, don't go there. You can just jot that down, Exodus 24, shorthand. Look at it later. But in Exodus 24, the Lord tells Moses and Aaron to get Aaron's two sons, there's two, and then get 70 elders of Israel. So 70 plus two, you got it, 72. And to bring them with you before the Lord's presence. So it might be that that 72, there's a beyond Moses and Aaron, the ministry of God's word and what God has to reveal himself is not merely for the Moseses and the Aaron. It's not merely for, and something of that carries over into this group. You know, in, act, in, in rather in Luke chapter 9, you, you encounter the 12 being sent out. And the 12 are sent out, and, and the big question that goes with their sending is, who is this Jesus? And, and three of the 12 get an inside look. Three of the twelve have a backstage pass and they see something more about the glory of Christ and the transfiguration there on the mount. Not even all the twelve saw that. Three of them did. These 72 weren't there. Why 72? I think what's here in chapter 10 that's different from chapter 9 is that it's 72 others. We think about mission being for missionaries. We think about ministry being for pastors and others who are, quote, in the ministry. But these are others. These are other than the Moses and Aaron. These are other than the 12 who were identified, the three who were the inner circle of the disciples. These are 72 others. Can I say it this way? The 72 are you. The 72 are you. The 72 are more. In fact, the key there is in the, he appointed 72 others different than the original 12. What he did with the 12, he did with others. We're part of the others. Ministry is bigger than a few. I was sharing this passage last week, actually, in... um, in the church in, in, in Harari as well. And uh, we talked about Harari, you know, that, that, um, that, that Zimbabwe has been a mission field. They had just sent away uh, m- missionaries that had been in Zimbabwe for over 30 years. They'd had a farewell for these folks the first Sunday that we were there. I think they thought we were there to take their place. I'm sorry, we couldn't stay for 30 years. Our tickets were for two weeks. But they, this couple had been there that long. There are other missionaries in the country, a few. It's a tough place to get a visa these days, as Ruth found out. Uh, of course, Ruth is sent from us there to Zimbabwe as a missionary. So I told them, you know, Zimbabwe seems to be a mission field. And they're already there. They don't need a visa. They don't need to be sent. But, you know, per capita, there are probably more genuine Christians percentage of the population in Zimbabwe than there are in America and certainly here in the Northwest. So if Zimbabwe is a mission field, then we certainly live in a mission field. The same applies, doesn't it? You don't need a visa. You don't need to be sent. And praise the Lord, we don't need to be on an airplane for 36 hours. We're already here. And the Lord would send us into his ministry. He would send us into his mission. How does he send them? Well, first of all, he sends them two by two. 
He sends them two by two. He doesn't send them out individually, on their own, easily discouraged. He sends them out two by two. There's something there for us, I think, as well. We are not in this alone. We are together in the body of Christ. We encourage one another to love and good deeds. And even going out, even going out from here, we go out together. Maybe the two-by-two for you would be your own spouse. Maybe it's another close friend. Maybe it's somebody that you would pray with. If we're going to be intentional about being on mission in the Lord's business We're going to need the encouragement of others. We're going to need accountability of one another. What if it looks simply like this? What if there's somebody that I regularly pray with? Say, this is someone God's put on my heart. Would you pray for me concerning them? Would you pray for my witness to them? And you do that for one another. Sometimes one of the most effective ways in terms of sharing the gospel with a friend is when you find out that that you are sharing with that person and another friend also knows them and somebody else who's also a believer also has contact in their life and and the impact of that multiple witnesses of the same truth of God. We're not in this alone. And don't be in it alone. Don't be a solo soldier. Rather, we can be together. And one of the best ways we could do that I'd like you to just pause. You've got that, those notes in front of you now. Is there somebody that's especially on your heart that in the midst of your mission field, in the midst of your contact, this is somebody God would send me to? Jot them down. And while you're at it, who else could join you in your mission to them? Who else could join you? Who else could pray with you? Jot that name down as well. Let's not go alone. In fact, if we, if we try to go alone, we often don't go at all, do we? The best of intentions so easily fall along the way. But if we'll encourage one another, if we'll pray for one another, if we'll come back the next week or a few days later, how did it go? I was praying for you. Oh, there's some accountability. John's going to ask me in just a couple of days that I, did I, I, I had intended it. We were going to be together with my friend at this time. And did I say anything? Did the conversation go anywhere? He's going to ask me. I hope I got something to say. I'm going to be a little more awake, a little more eyes open to what opportunity God will give me. You say, well, Bob, that's just psychology. That's just sociology. The Lord says two by two. If we try to go it alone, we often don't go at all. He sends them two by two, and he sends them through prayer. That's why I say pray before going and telling. You know, there's, there's, there's something about this passage. Uh, it, it, um, Julie and I discovered years ago, back when I was in the Air Force, before we ever went to Africa ourselves with our family, that we came across the end of Matthew chapter 9. And Matthew chapter 9, the Gospel of Matthew is recording Jesus saying the same thing. Look, the fields are white unto harvest, but the laborers are few. Pray that the Lord of the harvest will send laborers into his harvest. And so we said, okay, we'll pray. The problem was we hadn't read further. Because Matthew chapter 10 has the same thing that happens here. The sending out after the praying. And we didn't read chapter 10. We, we stopped at Matthew 9 and we said, okay, we're going to pray. Lord of the harvest, send out laborers into your harvest. We didn't know it meant us. It's a dangerous prayer. I'll warn you that in advance. It's a dangerous prayer. It's probably going to compel you to go somewhere to someone. 
I don't, I don't mean it'll, it'll compel you to, to, Zim, to Swaziland. I don't mean it'll compel you to Zimbabwe, but it'll compel you somewhere. It'll compel you to somewhere. If you begin to enter into the heart of God through prayer concerning the lost and the Lord's harvest, it'll make an impact upon you. That being said, with our eyes wide open, I invite you to pray. I urge you to pray. He says, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he will send. And who knows who else he might send then to the same person he sends you to. See how that works? Now it's not up to me. It's up to the Lord. And he'll use me just like a father lovingly invites his children into the task. Our God would invite us in. Two by two, through prayer. Oh, here's the good news. As lambs in the midst of wolves. Or... In Africa terms, like an impala in the midst of lion. You know, impala breed uh, um, like rabbits, really. Impala, they are very fruitful. They, they, they um, easily multiply, and it's a good thing because they're, they're, they're basically, well, the way our guide put it to us, he said, they're fast food. <laughs> they're fast food. Impala are fast, and lion are faster, and uh, they're fast food, so they're really handy out in the African bush, and uh, they are lambs in the midst of wolves. And the good news is that's you. Well, look at it this way. You are in many ways harmless. <laughs> Who are you? You're, you, you don't come with ulterior motives. You don't come with deception. And you, you, you go out into a world where the enemy is indeed arrayed against you. You are defenseless among our enemies' plans and schemes. And yet, that's exactly where the Lord sends you. That's where your Father sends you. And he's got your six. He's got your back. He is the one. It doesn't depend on us. It de- doesn't depend on my, on my, my uh, skill. It doesn't depend on my security. It doesn't depend on my, my strength. I can expect opposition. In fact, the Lord says, go and don't take supplies with you. Don't take a knapsack. Don't take this. Don't take extra money. Don't take that. Oh, is that really the model that we're supposed to go as we go out today? That don't plan ahead? Don't prepare for yourself? Just Go. Well, it's interesting, in the end of the book of Luke, Jesus changes those instructions. He said, I told you before, but now I tell you, take a knapsack. Take some provisions. Take some money with you. And by the way, if you don't have a sword, sell something and buy one. You're going to need some provisions. So I don't think the instructions here are, are literally that this is the way everyone must go without any preparation, without any provision. But it tells us this, that in the mission God has called us to, In the mission God has called us to, he has told us to rely not on ourselves, but on him. For our own security, for our own safety, for the results, they're not on us, they're on him. In fact, he says, you know, you're going to be rejected along the way. That's good news, isn't it? You're going to be rejected. But if they reject you, it's not personal. Don't take it personal. Don't don't we take it personal? Don't we say, I'm not going to say anything. Why? I mean, look at Justin over here. Justin's a brave guy. Justin, stand up. Justin is a brave guy. This is a man with courage, right? Man, that's boldness. That's what you need in the gospel. Thanks, man. We'll talk later about the shirt. <laughs> we can expect opposition. We can expect trouble. But the rejection is not 
personal. The rejection is because they see something in Christ in you. They hear something of Christ from you. They don't reject you, Jesus says. They reject me. Don't take it personal. I don't want to say anything, but what are they going to think of me? They're going to think, I'm one of those. You still believe that? Really? Oh, you're one of those. And then the categorization starts. And I don't want them to think less of me. I don't want them to think that I'm like Jesus. Or do we? That's okay. We can bear that. Now, don't be a jerk about it, okay? It's okay to be like Jesus. It's not okay to be a jerk about it. It's okay to be rejected, but let the rejection be because of the offense of the cross, not because I'm offensive, okay? But don't worry. Don't let that slow you down from being in the mission that God would give. He has made us to be messengers of peace, messengers of peace to others. In going, we find peace upon us. He says, when you go, greet with a word of peace. And if they receive you, wonderful, that peace will rest upon that house. You are the one to bring peace. In a world where people desperately need peace, you know where to find it. You know where to find peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You know where to find the peace of God that passes all understanding, that guards our hearts in the midst of trouble. You know where that is. You're the one to give it out. And if somebody doesn't reject it, what's he say? That peace just simply returns back upon you. Even in the midst of rejection, our God will give you peace. How about that? How about that? That's a peace that doesn't return to you if you don't give it away. But when you give it away, even if it's thrown back in your face, that peace then rests upon you. It's discovered in the midst of experiencing the same kind of rejection as Jesus. You discover something more about him in the process, something that brings you maybe a little closer to him in the process. Not only that, verses, in verse 7 and 8, there's a, oh, well, I actually want to mention this. Um, as messengers of peace, a story I came across just yesterday that kind of surprised me. I heard it's Super Bowl Sunday. I hear there's a game this afternoon kind of excited about that really but in the midst of getting together for the game you get your gear on you've got your food ready you're you're ready to explain to the children why Marshawn Lynch needs to adjust his cup after he scores a touchdown you're somehow you're going to cover that as parents uh, you're ready to send the husband to the kitchen during the go daddy Carl's Jr. or Victoria's Secret ads and you made your plans for the game you're all ready and there might be all kinds of people gathered depending on where you're going and how about some game talk? How about some, some inside football that you could share? How about this? Tom Brady seems like a pretty confident, cocky guy, right? Tom Brady. Yeah, I came across an interesting story. It's a 60 Minutes interview, in fact, from November uh, 2005. I actually have, have put something about this up on the screen because you may, you may want to share this. You may have a chance with somebody this afternoon. This might lead somewhere. In this 60 Minutes interview, Tom Brady was musing about here he is at the pinnacle of life. You know, he's a successful guy. He's got three Super Bowl rings. He's been in the Super Bowl five times already. His wife is a gorgeous former model. He could buy anything his heart's desire. But despite this, Tom Brady mused to the interview, why do I have three Super Bowl rings and still think there's something greater out there for me? It's not enough. 
it doesn't satisfy. I mean, maybe a lot of people would say, hey man, this is what it is. I've reached my goal, my dream, my life, me. I think, God, it's got to be more than this. It's got to be more than this. Any of you ask the quarterback, well, what's the answer then? Brady replied, I wish I knew. I wish I knew. You and I know. There's a contrast there between Brady and Russell Wilson. Russell knows. There's something about it. I don't know if that leads to some of the way that he plays with a devotion and abandon, and I don't want to make too much of it, but there's a contrast there between these two, these two men who will do battle today on that wonderful NFL stage that, that uh, one of them knows where peace is to be found. And it's not in his own abilities. It's not in his own achievements. It's the one who has done for him what he could never do for himself, and that's Christ our Savior. Tom's still wondering. And there's people around you who, like Tom Brady, wish they knew. They wish they knew. And you know where that peace can be found. That contentment can be found. Visiting Ruth in Zimbabwe, one of the things that struck me the most. Now, we lived in Africa. We lived in Africa for 10 years as a family. I know what it's like living in Africa, and it isn't like here. It's a lot different. In fact, uh, a lot of the uh, just day-to-day stuff, I didn't really realize that Ruth was experienced. I knew the roads were awful. I knew there was this distance that you're not part of the local culture. I knew that, that uh, you might have power outages more often and things are just not as nice and comfortable. I had no idea until we slept in Ruth's bed for two weeks. Oh, my goodness. She, how she has adapted to some of this, it, it surprised me. It taught me something about my daughter. It taught me something about myself. I grumbled and complained. Quietly to myself, Julie overheard me, but, uh, <laughs> but Ruth doesn't, doesn't, is, doesn't seem phased by it all. She, she's used to losing water sometime Friday night, and it'll come back by Monday morning. Every weekend, she's used to losing her water, and she'll fill up a big tub full to get her through the weekend. She doesn't have a shower because there's not enough water pressure upstairs to, 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 to be able to drive a shower. So she has a bath, but the water trickles out of the hot water heater, so it takes an hour to fill the bathtub. If you're going to have a bath, you plan ahead. Little things like that, things that you can get and things that you can't get, and uh, a lot of things that you can get. And yet, uh, things that bothered me, things that I wanted to fix, things that I wanted to change, I said, well, we could do this and that, and I've got all the plans of how we're going to re-rig and, and, and exercise dominion over this creation, right? She's fine. She's good. She's happy to live like a Zimbo. That's what folks from Zimbabwe call themselves. I'm just, it's not an ethnic slur. The, you, you can get a shirt. I didn't get one because I'm not one, but it says, I am Zimbo. So, Ruth is a Zimbo. She has learned to be content in ways that impressed me and ways that revealed my lack of contentment in the midst of circumstances. I saw something of her. I saw something of myself. A contentment in the midst of whatever said before you eat. Stay, don't, don't house shop. Don't meal shop, he says, when you're sent out. Go and stay and be content with the Lord provides you. Be content with such things as you have because the Lord himself has says. I will never leave you nor forsake me. You know, so much of our mission that God has given us in the society is interrupted by this, that we are not content with what we have and where we are. We are pushing and hustling and striving in the American hustle to get ahead, to improve our lot, to better our circumstances, and push, push, push. 
And we're so much focused on the busyness of life and the securing our own position and future and getting ahead that we miss people right around us that need something much more basic and fundamental, and that is the Savior whom we know. Contentment. And yet, whether they receive your word or not, it says, nevertheless. You know, their unbelief does not change the truth. We're intimidated by people because we don't know if they'll believe us. We don't want to say anything because we don't know what they'll think, but what they think doesn't matter so much because it doesn't change the truth. Do you realize that? Whether somebody hears what you say or not doesn't change the truth. Look how Jesus uh, tells his disciples to respond to those who don't believe. Verse 10. Let me find verse 10 again here. Whenever you enter a town, they do not receive you. Go into the streets, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet will wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. Whether they receive it or not doesn't change the reality of the fact that Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Son of God. He has died and risen again. He is coming again. The Lord in heaven laughs. The Lord says, I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion, and nothing earth shall do will change that. Jesus is Lord, and every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. There's someone here this morning that isn't quite sure if they believe it all. And I, I pray for you. I would love to answer questions. I would love to explain. I would love to open God's word. Because whether you believe it or not, it, it, it does matter. It changes your destiny, but it will not change reality. The reality is Jesus is Lord. And so there are people all around us that need to know it because he really is. I got another Super Bowl, little little inside football for you today. Maybe you could ask, who do you think on the field today, who do you think is in the greatest danger of dying today during that game? Well, anybody Cam Chancellor hits, right? Well, beside that, do you know who it is? I can tell you who it is. You could, I wouldn't. I shouldn't tell you, you could win a bet this way. Uh, the referee, the white hat, Bill Vinovich. Bill Vinovich, in April 2007, had an aortic dissection. It kept him from refing games for several years. An aortic dissection is the, the descending aorta that, that um, brings all the blood away from his heart inside there was a tear in the inside lining so that blood pressure builds up between the inner lining and the outer skin of that aorta. It can rupture at any time. It could bring instant death at any time. In fact, for the next 48 hours when he was diagnosed, when he had this rupture and he was rushed to the hospital, for the next 48 hours he had a 2% chance of survival. 2% chance. Along the way after that, on the other side of his aorta, on the other side he had an aneurysm that almost burst, and they had to rush into surgery for that. So either side of his aorta, this guy's a mess. And yet he's going to be out there today, this afternoon, running around the field. Well, I'm sure there's been some rehab and some exercise and building back up, but none of us know our days, our hours, our years, do we? None of us know. And we continue on pressing alive. He's aware that things aren't so solid on the inside. Yet he was determined to ref again. A lot of people around you are living 
they don't know when the day or the hour will come, but they but know this, they have the same mortality as you and I, and everyone will we don't know when, but everyone will one day or another be face to face with our maker, giving account, and I want me account my account to be Jesus died for me. The disciples come back, and they are excited. They are, as, as those in Africa would say, they are chuffed. That's not a word you use, is it? Chuffed? Anybody use that word, chuffed? No. Well, I taught you a new word. Chuffed means to be excited. Chuffed means to be, all oh, right, yeah. Chuffed is when your team scores. Chuffed, yeah. Huh. This is a quiet group this morning. Okay, wrap it up, Bob. All right, wrapping it up here. They are chuffed. They are excited about how they've seen the God, what God has done, how God has used them, and yet, yeah, Jesus said, that's okay, guys, but that's not the real deal. That's not the real deal. The real deal is you're up here in the truck with me. The real deal is you are with your Father in the midst of this, where God could do all this himself. God could do, if, 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 if the crowds were quiet, If the disciples said nothing, the rocks and stones could cry out. Think of it. You and I could be replaced with a box of rocks. But God has chosen not to do it that way. God has decided he's going to use you. He's going to use me. He has invited us as as much of a mess as we'll make out of it. God has invited us under the hood. God has invited us into his Work And he calls us to rejoice there because he rejoices in us. Our Father, our Father joyfully sends us into his work. Our Father, in chapter 11, I'm going to read just a couple of verses. The opening verses, the Lord's Prayer. It's interesting that the Lord's Prayer follows this sending. This sending that is based on prayer. Well, how should we pray then? Pray this way. Verse 2, our Father hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. He tells us how to pray. Very briefly, we pray for God's glory, that God would be glorified, for our life to be worshipped, that God would be hallowed, that God would be worshipped, something of him would be seen in me. Jesus' life tells us something. The reason we're studying the Gospel of Luke is not because we want to know what Jesus tells us to do. The reason we want to study the Gospel of Luke is in our Jesus, we say something about our God. We see something about what God is like because Jesus says, the one who has seen me has seen the Father. And our God is a loving Father who joyfully sends us. Our God is a faithful Father who lovingly provides for his own. We want to honor our Father. We want Him to be worshipped. We want His kingdom to come. And in Matthew, that's expanded out. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Already, even now, even today, we long for His glorious appearing. We long for the day when all that's wrong will be made right. But in the meantime, might it be right with me? In the meantime, might I follow? In the meantime, would His will be done in my life? And His will is pray that the Lord of the harvest will send out laborers into His harvest. Oh, Lord, send me. Not far. Oh, not to Zimbabwe. You know, something else that I should share. Uh, I, I wondered, in going back to, back to Southern Africa, would God put that tug on my heart again to be there instead of here? Didn't happen. An hour to fill the bathtub? Are you crazy? No, no, but seriously, just 
around the people. Yeah, they're nice folks, but I just, I didn't have the same tug that we had years ago when we were called there. <sighs> what a relief. Julie says, phew. But um, it doesn't have to be far. Oh, Lord, send, send us, send us, send us here, right around us. People that we know who need to know the Lord. How to pray. Pray for God's glory in us, through us. Pray for the, the future hope, not the kingdom candy, not all the good stuff. Oh, God, we want your blessings now. No, that God's will would be done. It would be seen. Pray for daily bread. Pray for daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. Didn't Jesus himself say, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Our daily bread, most of all, is not the food we eat, but is like Christ said, to do the will of our Father. Oh, Lord, in this day, might my heart be full because I'm following you. And Father, lead us in forgiveness. Forgive us our sins as we forgive. Oh, might there be a sense, a, a, a character of forgiveness that overflows out of us in ways that just when we're poked, it leaks out to the people around us. Might our lives model and manifest forgiveness, protect us from temptation. Why does God answer these prayers? We pray this way. Why does God answer again? It tells us something about our Father. He says uh, further, on in the, further on in the chapter, in verse 13 of chapter 11, If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? How much more does the Heavenly Father know how to answer well the needs of His children? Our Father is a Father who joyfully sends us into His work. Our Father in Heaven is a loving Father who faithfully provides for His children better than any of us could. Joyfully sending, faithfully providing. What's left for us then is to enter in. What's left for us is to join in. You know, the Super Bowl is this afternoon. I think you heard that. There will be 22 guys on the field at any given time. There will be 85,000 or so in the stands. 22 guys on the field desperately needing a rest. 85,000 in the stands who desperately need some exercise. It's kind of like the church. It's kind of like the church. We need to get out. We need to get onto the field. We need to be, in a sense, the, 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 the 12th man in real action. We need to be in the midst of, because there's a far bigger game going on. It's for eternity, not this year. It's forever. And you and I are in it. You and I are in it. You know, the, um, one of my favorite quotes is by a man named Dwight L. Moody, founder of Moody Bible Institute. Moody was impacted as a, uh, uh, when he was new to the faith, he heard a man say that the world has yet to see what God would do through the man wholly yielded to him. And Moody said, by God's grace, I'll be that man. On his deathbed, he said, the world hasn't seen it. It's still not yet. The world has yet to see all that God did through Moody, all of his evangelistic crusades and ministries and the founding of the, of the Sunday school and the, the, the founding of the Moody Bible Institute. And all of that, he said, it's still, it's, it's still waiting. The world has yet to see what God will do through the man wholly yielded to him. It's my favorite quote. By God's grace, I'm with Moody. I want to be that man. And yet I differ with Moody. 
I beg to differ with Mr. Moody. I would submit to you that the world has seen what God will do through the man wholly yielded to him, and his name is Jesus. What did he do? He accomplished eternal redemption for all who would believe on him. So what will God do? Through the man or woman who's wholly yielded to him like Christ, he will invite us into that greatest work. To the extent that I'll yield, to the extent that I'll submit, to the extent that I'll lay nothing aside and instead present myself to him, imagine what the Lord will do through you or I, wholly yielded to him, the God who joyfully sends us, the God who faithfully provides for us. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for not the call. Thank you, Lord, not that you would put us into work, your ministry, that you would even bear fruit. Lord, that people we know and care about would truly come to faith in Christ. Lord, we could thank you for all of those things, but Father, thank you for who you are. Thank you that you rejoice in us. Thank you that you love and provide for us. Thank you in Jesus' name. As our ushers come forward to receive...